Thank you so much, Fellowship Baptist Church, for allowing us to come back. Um, it's really meaningful. Uh, I was telling Brother Tyler over lunch that several people have come up to us and told us that they have our prayer card and are praying for us from our, our kind of random stop here in March where we didn't present, but we, we literally got snowed out of a meeting in Colorado and so and stayed over on Sunday and met some of you all and you kept our prayer cards and have been praying for us. It's really meaningful. That means so much to us. Um, we, we've been really, really excited about coming back. It's been a, it's been a time that's been marked off on our calendar. We've been looking forward to praise the Lord. Uh, update on the video is we're, we're pretty much done with deputation. We have three remaining meetings after this one, and we're really going to kind of do those around the holidays. And then come January, uh, January 20th, we'll officially be applying for our visas into England. And really, as soon as they approve those and let us in, we'll be moving over into the country. It looks like it'll be sometime in the spring. We're, we're praying it'll be early spring, but the Lord knows once you apply, you pray and wait for England to tell you you can come. But we're, we're really excited about that. God's been so good to us through this whole process, um, and we're, we're very excited. I, I hope the, the video gave you a, a bit of an idea of the need there in England, and specifically in Manchester. That's where God's placed our hearts and our burdens. Um, if, if you can't tell from the video, I'm, I'm sure you could. Manchester is a city. Um, it, is a, it is a classic concrete jungle. It's, it's very dense. There's about now 3.5 million people just under 3.5 within 44,000, 44 square miles. Um, it's, it's very dense. It's, it's a dense city. Um, but there are n not a lot of gospel witnesses. Um, the, the video says that there's two independent Baptist works. And, and since making the video, we found that there's, in fact, one that we know of. So um, the numbers go in the wrong direction. Um, but but, but they, need, they need the Lord, and, and they need an opportunity to accept or reject the message of the gospel. And that's what the Lord's given us a passion and a burden to do for as much as our lives is will enable us to... to, to to share that with the people of England and specifically the people in the area of Greater Manchester. Go ahead and take your Bibles this evening. We'll get right into God's Word and, and we're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 1. I am not a Scrooge and so I've chosen a Christmas passage. <laughs> say that, but while this is a traditional Christmas passage, what we'll be considering tonight, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't describe as, 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 some, as, as traditional Christmas content. Um, the, the, the bulk of, of, of what we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 1 would never be made into a Hallmark Christmas film. Um, Certainly not. My family, one of our Christmas traditions that we've begun to start is we have this really classic old book of, of Christmas stories. It, it was, if you can imagine Hallmark compiling a book of Christmas stories in like the 1930s, they would have chosen these stories. They're just really wholesome, down-to-earth stories. They're not overtly Christian, but just really kind of fun, festive stories. And it, it, we, we just love them. The girls love them. We read them, and we read a story every once in a while up until Christmas, and we enjoy it. And they're just really classic, warm-hearted stories, the kind of things you want to share with your, your children in the holiday season. That, that is not the case for the stories we're going to consider this evening. Um, Matthew chapter 1 gives us the genealogy of, of Christ. It gives us his, his family heritage, his, his origin story, you could say. And, and, and it gives us his line through his, his earthly father, Joseph. And, 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 and then it, it segues straight into the story of the birth of Jesus. But it gives us Joseph's perspective of what's going on here. 
And, and in most genealogies, the way genealogies happen and the way they work in the Bible is it shows that so-and-so begot so-and-so, and, and it follows the family down through the, through the males. That was how they recorded genealogies. That's how the Bible primarily relates them. And in and, and, and Jesus' earthly genealogy here, through, through his earthly father, Joseph, though, though his, his, his true father was God, his, his, what became his earthly father, Joseph, we, we get a recording of this. But there are four, four specific stories in Christ's genealogy that, that I believe God specifically emphasizes for us. And we can see that because they're the only four references in, in this genealogy recording in Matthew that either specifically name the woman or at least reference her. And they call some attention to it. So the, it's, 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 it's apparent that, 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 that God is wanting to call attention specifically to some of these stories in it. And then from there we'll get into the life of Joseph. And, and I hope by God's grace that what we'll see as we consider this, that, 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 that Christ coming into the world just as, as, as was preached this morning, that it was for a purpose. It, it wasn't for the, the purpose of giving us a wonderful holiday where we can make special memories or even so that we could, we could feel good about ourselves and our fellow man, but for a very specific purpose. And, and I hope that we'll see that. It'll become apparent through the passage tonight. Before we read, though, let's pray one last time. Dear Lord, would you please be with us as we consider your word together. I need your help to communicate it clearly, passionately, and concisely in a manner that lifts up Christ, Lord, and points people to him. And as the audience, Lord, each one of us also needs your spirit to apply it to our hearts and lives, Lord. Help this to be more than a, a mental or an academic exercise where we consider a Bible passage, but help it to be something that your Holy Spirit applies to us specifically where we live, Lord. I know that's your heart behind each time we open up and consider your word. So would you accomplish that as only you can? And as the audience, as the hearers of your Lord, word, dear Lord, would you help us to not just hear it, not even just see ourselves in light of it, but then to submit our lives to it, Lord. We need your help and in every aspect of that process, Lord. But you, you haven't left us to, to, to just beg down your presence, Lord, or to, to do something in order to make that happen, Lord. You've just told us to ask, and we're doing that this evening. Help us to put aside the distractions and to give attention to your word, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let, let, let's begin our reading in, in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read several verses down. It, it says there in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1, the book of the generations... Of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So it tells us this is the, the genealogy of Christ. It says, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and, and his brethren, and Judas begat Pharez and Zaar of Tamar. So this is the, the first woman we have mentioned here by name. And Pharez begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz of Rechab. And so this would be the second woman reference. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And there's the, the third woman. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king. And David begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll stop our reading there. But those, so there are four, four women referenced, either by name or, or specifically called attention to. Those are the women that, that, that we know of as, as Tamar, 
And in the passage, she's referred to as Rechab, but that would be Rahab, and then Ruth, and also Bathsheba. Those are the four women. And I, and I believe that, that it's, it's not an accident, nothing in God's words is an accident, that specifically these four women are called attention to. Amidst all the genealogy, we could read the rest of it. We won't for the sake of time. But from here on out, it goes back to this man begat this man, who begat this man, who begat this man, because that's how genealogies worked. But, 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 but God inspired the author of this, the, the physical human author, to, to highlight these stories. So I'm going to give us a brief summary. We're not going to turn back to the, to the accounts of them in the Old Testament for sake of time, but I'm going to, I'm going to recap some of these stories. And, 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 and honestly, unlike a, a warm-hearted Hallmark Christmas film or, or the, the Christmas stories that we read the girls at night, probably the, the best word that comes to my mind to, to, to describe these stories would be, would be a word like sordid. They, they, they are not... They, they're not the stories that a good Jewish boy would call your attention to when he was telling you his family line. These aren't the part of your history that you would really want to highlight. These aren't, these aren't the, well, let me, tell you, let me tell you about this story in my family heritage. These are the stories that you'd more, kind of, if you have a story like this in your family, you kind of try to hush it up. Because you don't, you, you don't want to really call attention to the details. And, I, and I'm going I'm to, by God's grace, I'm going to be age appropriate when I relate these stories. And we'll move through them quickly. But they all, they all share something in common. And I, and I think, think it will become apparent as we consider them and even jump down to the story of Joseph. So the first one we have mentioned here is the story of Judas and Tamar. Tamar was, in this they call him Judas, but in the Old Testament he's primarily referred to as Judah. He was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. He became one of the, the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Judah, uh, the tribe through which Christ came. Mary was actually from the, the line of Judah as well. And Tamar was, was, was Judah's daughter-in-law. Um, and, and through the course of events, Judah had three sons. The, the Bible doesn't tell us much about his sons, except for the fact that, that they were not good guys. Tamar marries Judah's, Judah's oldest son, and the Bible doesn't give us the specifics, but he was such a wicked man that the, the Bible tells us that the Lord killed him. And so Tamar was left a widow, and in their day, the custom was for the next brother in line to marry, to marry his older brother's wife and to raise up a, a, it's her, the first child to, be, to inherit that, his brother's name. And so that happened, but the second brother does something that, that, it, that is very culturally and, and very inappropriate, and, and the Lord also smites this second brother. And so Tamar now is once again a widow, and, and Judah has another son. And at this point, Judah steps back and he starts to think to himself, well, I'm beginning to see a pattern here. Each one of my sons that marries this woman dies. And so he, he begins to think to himself, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sacrifice my third son. And this doesn't say a lot about Judah's character because it, it, was, it was his sons that were the problem. It wasn't Tamar. But, but, but the, the Bible tells us that Ju, what Judah says. He says, okay, Tamar, go back to your homeland. Go back to your family. And when my youngest son, when he's of age, when he's grown up, then you can marry him. And that was the right thing to do. And, and it doesn't seem like a big deal to us in our, in our cur current culture because it wouldn't be a big deal if a woman is a, is a widow to go back and to live with, with her family where she's born. But, you know, in, 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 in this biblical culture and in this time frame, Tamar was really, was really destitute without her, 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 her father-in-law's family. It was their job to provide for her. 
In sending her back home, it wasn't a nice gesture. It was really just hanging her out to dry because everything that, that, that really Tamar had to look forward to was now wrapped up in Judah's family now that she had married into him. But Judah, not willing to want to, to, to risk his third son, he tells her to go back home. And, and, and before long, Tamar realizes that Judah has no intention of him marrying her of her marrying his third son, and, and, and she, she takes matters into her own, own hands and, and essentially disguises herself as, as a harlot. And, 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 and in, in the course of time, she goes into Judah, and, and she has a child by him, and Judah finds out that Tamar is with child, and he doesn't know who it's with. And, and, and when, when Judah finds this out, he says, oh, well, the, she, she played the harlot, so she deserves to be burned. And then Tamar comes forward and she says, this is, this is the man I'm pregnant by. And she, she's able to prove that, that Judah is, in fact, the father of, of this child. And, and so she comes and, and she, she lives in Judah's house and she remains a widow. And, and Judah recognizes that he, 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 he was certainly in the wrong in this situation. I'm not implying to you that Tamar made a good choice. But, but in this story, and I, I, know it's a, I, know, I know it's one of those trigger words. And I, don't, I don't use it lightly. But in this story, though, Tamar made poor choices. She was, she was really abused by a man of authority in her life, and she was taken advantage of. She, we, we would use this term, as what a trigger term it is. She was the victim in this scenario. And I'm, not, I'm not telling you that she, she, she was spotless, but, but Judah had all the power in their relationship, and he didn't do right by her. But, but so, so this is the first story that it relates. It certainly, once again, this is not the story that you're going to, that you're going to, that you're going to, Highlight if you're if you're relating. Oh well, let me tell you about my family. <laughs> That's, this is this is not the one. So so we go back to the genealogy, and the next person referenced here is a lady that uh, they, they call Rahab, which that that is Rahab, whose whose moniker. Anyone who knows of Rahab, she lived in the city of Jericho. The moniker that goes with her name is Rahab the harlot. That's that's how that's how she appears in, in the scripture. And, and it really is an incredible story of as the children of Israel are inheriting the promised land, finally the land of Canaan, they go to the city of Jericho and, and Rahab hides the two spies that come into the city to spy it out. And, 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 and she, she, she's an outsider to all of God's promises, to all of God's people. She, she, she is, the Bible doesn't tell us that she had been a harlot. She was, as far as we can tell, a practicing harlot at the time that the, that, that the, that the spies hide out on her roof. But, but she, at some point in time, she comes to the realization that Jericho and the gods of Jericho and, and, and the culture of Jericho does not have truth. It doesn't have what she needs in her life. And she expresses this to the spies and she, she realizes and she makes this statement about how she realizes that the God of Israel is the true God. And she asks to be spared. And, and, and the spies tell her that if, if she will let them down and not, not, tell, not rat them out, essentially, to the people of Jericho, that, that she'll be spared. And then the children of Israel come in and the walls come tumbling down. But Rahab's house is left untouched. And she goes on and she essentially becomes a part of the children of Israel. And, and, and their God does become her God. And she, she marries an Israelite man. And, and she, 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 she gets included in the genealogy, in the line of Christ. It, it, it's, it's an incredible story. And, and then the, the next woman referenced is a, a lady named Ruth, who has an entire book of the Bible that, that's named after her. And it's once again just a beautiful story about how an outsider to, to all of God's promises and, and, and to the, the nation of Israel, how, how she, through, through a set of, 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 of really what looks like very bad circumstances and her losing her husband, God, God uses this and takes this situation and turns it into 
in my opinion, what is one of the most beautiful love stories that has ever been written in the story of, 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 of Boaz and Ruth. And, 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 and this, 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 this woman who is an outsider, she, she becomes a part of God's people, but not just, not just a part of God's people, but, but someone who's named in the genealogy of Christ. And, and then finally, although she's not mentioned by name, it calls attention to the story of David and Bathsheba. And that, that's, that's, again, one of the stories that if, if, you were, if you were from the line of David, you probably wouldn't want to call attention to the fact, you would want to call attention to the fact that you're from the line of David, but you wouldn't want to highlight the fact that, oh, by the way, Bathsheba, she, 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 she's a part of that. Because Bathsheba really represents probably the most glaring mistake, or one of the most glaring faults of, of David's life. Uh, it was a time in his life where he acted selfishly and he took what was not his. And, and, and though the Bible doesn't give us too much, of a, too much of an insight into what was going on inside of Bathsheba's heart and head during all of this process, the fact of the matter is if you read the story, a, a, a woman who was married to a soldier in King David's army is called to the palace and... and, and to all intents and purposes, once again, the man, the male figure in the story, with all of the power in the situation, abuses his power. And I'm not, again, I'm not implying to you that Bathsheba was without fault or faultless. But in that story, she was the victim. Because the, 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 the male figure, and David, he was, he was not just a, a, an authority figure. He was the king of Israel. We can't, we can't really fathom how much power a king has as we live in a representative democracy. And, 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 and so David abuses his power and, 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 and takes Bathsheba and he has a child by her and ultimately she becomes part of the genealogy of Christ. And I, I know I'm moving so quickly through those stories. I hope that you're familiar with, familiar with them. But, but once again, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's any stretch whatsoever for us to identify a pattern here in these stories. <laughs> In these stories and in these accounts, they're, they're, they're marked by sin. They're, they're, they're really, I would say, and this is, this is, this is, this is incredible, the, the genealogy, the line of Christ, is just pockmarked by sin. By these stories of, of, of men of authority who are supposed to represent God in his ways, abusing their power. Uh, stories of stories of, of of women who are outsiders and outcasts from from God's promises, and and so these are the stories that we specifically have, our attention is called to in the in the line of Christ. So we we read th- through those stories, and now we're going to pick up our reading again in verse eighteen of Matthew. So as it gives us his, his genealogy, the story picks up, and it says this in verse eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or these are the events surrounding. Christ's birth. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So Joseph and Mary, they're espoused in their day and age. And espousal wasn't just like an engagement we have today. It did bear this in similarity that both people involved promised that they'd marry each other. But an espousal, it didn't just have a, well, I'm going to marry this person because I love them aspect to it. It It had a legally binding aspect to it. In the eyes of, of Jewish custom, in the eyes of Jewish people, these, these, this man and this woman and an espousal, Joseph and Mary, they were promised for each other. 
It, it, was, it was more than just an engagement. They, 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 were, they were essentially bound to marry each other, and it was by choice. But that's what an espousal involved. They had essentially almost been married in every way, except they had not come together physically up to this point. So as they were espoused, before they came together, verse 18 tells us, that Mary is found with child. And we're reading this story, and you're familiar with the Christmas story, and, and, and we, we get the insight at the end of verse 18 is that she's with child of the Holy Ghost. That, that, that God circumvented the course of nature and, and a, a virgin was, became pregnant because God, being the God that he is, he created nature. He's able to circumvent that process through, through a miracle and he does this and it is a miracle. But, but Joseph is not a dummy. He understands how these things usually work. And up to this point in time, when we get, read verse 18, Joseph does not know that this is of the Holy Ghost. He, he, would, he would have to assume, like any rational human being, that Mary has become pregnant the way every human in history outside of her has become pregnant. So he, 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 he finds out that, that, that his, his, his espoused wife, this woman, who he believed was pure and faithful to him, and, and that he loved and he had every intent to marry. And the Bible, the Bible tells us he was a just man. He was a right man. He wanted to do what was right. That, that by one form or another, his, his wife has been unfaithful to him. And commentators speculate that, that. That in their time and age, this could have been a situation where Mary's been defiled even against her will. But, but, but regardless of the circumstances, Joseph is left to grapple with this question. That, 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 that his, his, his bride-to-be She's been unfaithful to him, and she's been defiled. And it says there in verse 19, then her husband Joseph, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, means he's a person who, who was concerned about doing things right. He was a, a good man, a man that, 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 that wanted to honor God in the way he lived his life. But he, he didn't just want to do things right, but it says that he didn't want to make a public example of her. He said he's not willing to make her a public example. He decides, you know what? I'm going to put her away privily. He was minded to put her away privily. He realized, you know what? I'm a just man. I want to do what's right. It's just not right for me to marry, to, for me to marry this woman now that she's been unfaithful to me. But I also don't want to, I don't want to make a public example of her. I don't, I don't want her to be, because in the eyes of the law, she could have, to the point of being stoned for, for, this, for this offense. So he decides, I'm just going to hush this up essentially, and I want to do what's right, but I also, I don't want to, taint Mary's reputation more than, I ha more than, than it has already happened. So I'm just going to try to hush this up and put her away privately. And that was the best sense he could make of the situation as a, as a just man and, and, a, and a man who wanted to do the right thing. And then in verse 20 tells us this. It says, but while he thought on these things. Now, we're not going to read the, the next part of that verse for a space of time. I just want us to consider together for a moment... What this must have been like for Joseph. I mean, he's, he's just trying to process this to make sense of this situation. Because I don't believe that anything about Mary's character would have indicated. This, this must have blindsided him. He, he's just trying to process this. He's thinking about all these things and wanting to do the right thing. And, and I'm sure feeling betrayed and hurt. And, 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 and if, if, you'll, if you'll allow me to just maybe speculate a little bit. Or try to get into the mind of Joseph here. I, I wonder, even as, as, as Joseph, it, it's no stretch to say he would have been familiar with his family line. He would have known his genealogy like a good Jewish boy would have. I wonder if while he thought on these things, if his mind didn't go back to a story like Tamar. Or a story like David and Bathsheba. And he thought to himself, 
here, here it comes again. This, this, this sin problem that has even plagued my family line all the way back to Judah has, is now affecting my life. And he's just trying to process this. And maybe he thought to himself, it was Judah and Tamar and, 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 and Rahab the harlot. They still refer to it as Rahab the harlot. And, 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 and Ruth, who was a Moabite, and, 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 and David and Bathsheba, and now my wife Mary. The, the, they say the chickens have come home to roost. This, this sin problem that is pockmarked and plagued even the, the most upstanding family line in Israel, he realizes is now affecting me. And he's just trying to process this. And as he's doing this, he says in verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So this angel appears to Joseph and he, and, he, and he starts with these words. Fear not. Or essentially, don't be afraid, don't be worried. <laughs> and I think we don't, the, the angel didn't directly say this, but essentially he's saying this, this isn't what it looks like. <laughs> and he goes on to say, that which is conceived of her, in her is of the Holy Ghost. Or essentially this, I, I know what this looks like. This looks like sin has come and is now plaguing your life and is now making a mess of, of, of your hopes and plans and dreams. But in, but in fact, this is quite the opposite. This, this, isn't, this isn't what you hoped, this, this isn't the, the, the wrecking of your life and hopes and dreams. This is, in fact, God at work in your life. This is of the Holy Ghost. God has a plan in this. And then look what else he, the angel says. It says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, while to Joseph this looked like just another case of, of sin, plaguing his family line and now plaguing his life, just like sin has plagued the world since Adam and Eve. What God was telling Joseph, what the angel told him is, is Joseph, don't be afraid. Because this, this, this isn't just one more instance of, 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 of a sin-cursed world. This is, in fact, quite the opposite. This is the beginning of the remedy to that. It says his name will be Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. And it says there in, in, in verse 22, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, this was a prophecy that was being fulfilled. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. In that statement, God with us, who, who is the us side of that equation? It, it's people like Judah and Tamar. It's people like David and Bathsheba and Rahab and Ruth. People, people that were outsiders and outcasts and didn't really have any hope in their city like Rahab. Or like Ruth. People like Tamar, who not perfect, 
We're just trying to make sense of life and we're being abused by, by really, literally the male figure in our life who was supposed to represent God in our ways because that was the purpose of, of, of the family of Abraham. Yeah, of, 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 it, was, it wasn't just for the victims, though. The, the, the Emmanuel, God with us, the us side of the equation are men like Judah and, and, and men like David, the, the offenders, the people who knew what was right and chose what to do wrong anyways. It, it, it's Emmanuel, God with us. The remedy to this incursed world that's plagued Joseph's family line, and now Joseph is feel like it's plaguing his own life, that, that, that's plagued your and I life since the day we were born. As, as I consider this passage, I, I, I can't help but, but think of Romans 5.20. Why don't we turn there? Romans 5.20. And I, I think maybe this would, in some ways, typify Joseph's thoughts as he's trying to process this. It says there in, in Romans 5.20, Moreover, the law that entered, and that would refer to the Ten Commandments, that the offense might abound. And we're not going to spend too much time there. What it's saying is that the reason we're given the law is to really show us the fact that we're sinful people. And, 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 and that our sin, it abounds, is, is the word that it uses. That, that offense abounds. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, that we may become aware of the state that we're in. Then look at this next sentence. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. And you know, ultimately, that is the message of yes. Christmas. Yes. In Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, us, that's where the sin is abounding. Whether you feel like, whether you would identify with, 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 with being a victim, and you could point back at times in your life where you would say, you know what, I've been done wrong. And you know what the fact of the matter is? You have. There's not a person in this room who is not in one way, shape, or form a victim of sin. That, 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 that you live in a world filled with other sinners, and you've been done wrong. And maybe you've been done wrong. You could point and you could say, no, but you don't understand. The people that have done me wrong are the people that were supposed to be representing God in his ways in my life. And I'm, I'm not denying that fact. Or you might say, well, no, the, the person that, that, that I see myself in most, and I, I, would, I, would, I, I hesitate to say this out loud, but I think of myself and I think of myself as Judah and like David, where I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm the offender. And if any of us are being honest, all of us at times are the offender because that sin hasn't just abounded toward us, but it's abounded in us. Or you, you, might, you might just say, well, but I, I'm just an outsider. I'm an outcast. And I, I, don't, I don't seem to fit in anywhere. Or maybe you would identify with Joseph and you'd say, I'm just confused. I can't make sense of what's going on in this sin-cursed world. And everywhere I look, it just seems like sin is abounding more and more. But because of the message of Christmas, because of Emmanuel, God with us, because Jesus came to save his people from their sin, where sin abounds, grace can much more abound through the person of Christ. Through what he did on the cross, which was preached about this morning. And, in, and you don't have to be defined by what's been done to you. 
That doesn't have to define your life. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. I'm not pretending that, that, that sin has not abounded toward you, even by people where it should certainly not have abounded. Now, or it, you don't have to be designed, defined by decisions you yourself have made knowing what was right. You don't, you don't have to be defined by the fact that you're an outsider and you don't seem to fit anywhere. And the reason why is because of Jesus. Because he came to save us. Emmanuel, God with us, a sin pockmarked and sin plagued people. And, and, and God in his word, even just right from the get go, Matthew chapter 1, even as he introduces Christ into the world, we're presented with, with these stories that, that aren't the most pleasant to consider. Where sin abounds and offense abounds. But as that angel told Joseph, he's come for that, Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what's so beautiful? It wasn't that, that these people, that they just muddled through their lives. But do you realize that, 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 that Tamar and Judah, they were a part of, of the line of Christ. They were physically a part of God's redemptive plan for the world. You know, I, this is in, in light of the story of Judah and Tamar. Every I can't, I can't, I can't, but just be baffled every time I, I, I see in God's word this phrase: "The Lion of the Tribe of Judah." It's grace abounding. We had no reason to abound. And you read about women like Rahab and Ruth. Who, who were outcast even probably among their own people. But God looked down through history and he saw them and he said, I want them to be a part of my plan to rescue the world. He looked at a, a man like David. Some of the times he was, he was on fire. Some of the times he was, whatever the opposite of being on fire is. <laughs> and, it's cold. And, and God, he didn't just say, I'll give him a pass. Because God doesn't give sin a pass. But what he realized, or what he knew, was that where sin abounded, there needed to be a solution. There needed to be a remedy, and that remedy was Christ. And that's the message of Christmas. The, the message that we can only fully appreciate and understand and experience if we've been a, a recipient of that grace. And we can realize that our, what's been done to us, what we've done, what confuses us, what we can't make sense if it doesn't have to define us. Because of Jesus. Because of Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm not just saying that it's not just enough grace to get through by. That's, that's enough grace for you to be part of God's redemptive plan for the ages. Because you know that's still God's plan for his people. Just like God's plan for Tamar and Judah and Ruth and David and Bathsheba were to physically be a part of bringing Christ into the world. Now as God's people, if you've experienced God's lavish grace and mercy in this way, we're now a part still of bringing Christ to the world. To, 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 to bring the news forth even at this Christmas time that you know what? Yes, we live in a sin-sick world and we're not denying that. 
and, 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 and all the people out there who are bewildered and wandering around wondering what on earth is going on and feeling like the victim and being honest with themselves at times and realizing they're the offender and just being plain confused because they don't know what's going on and feeling like they're outsiders from everything that seems good in this world. We are now given the opportunities as recipients of this grace to proclaim the name of Jesus and say, there is a remedy for that. And it's Emmanuel, God with us. It's the message of Christmas. Yeah. Emmanuel, God with us. Because, because of Christ, where sin abounds, grace can much more abound. And, and it will abound through the person of Christ. And, and if we've experienced that grace, now it's we get the incredible privilege to be a part of that, of bringing, bringing that to the world. Let's pray.